the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. Boy, what a highly charged week it's been. Uh, So it's good to uh, be able to decompress as we try to do every Friday with our in-studio guest, uh, Rabbi Pinchas Alush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. That's how he spells his name. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, three to five minutes once a week. Uh, that uh, can change your week, if not your life. And uh, he is also the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah in Scottsdale on Shea Boulevard, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, Beth Tefillah, House of Prayer. He uh, invites anyone uh, of uh, any religion or no religiosity uh, to come. I had a, actually, Rabbi, let me start on that. First of all, welcome. Thanks for Thank being you. here. Thank you. It's always a pleasure being here. Thank it's, you. It's our pleasure. Um, I had a I had a uh, a non Jewish person ask me um, loves your loves your weekly uh, visits with us and asks me um, saying uh, asked me going if he goes to your to your synagogue to your um, to your con- congregation uh, would he um, would he be subject to conversion and I said you know what no and I will let the rabbi explain how Judaism views uh conversion it's a little different than other religions yes that's correct yeah i i've used this example before but i think judaism sees the world and all of its religions all of its different facets as a symphony so the piano has to be the piano and the violin has to be the violin and the trumpet has to be the trumpet and so it is with the religions of the world so everyone is welcome everyone should be playing together harmonized together but it's not like Judaism tries to convert the piano into the violin. Uh, everyone, everyone has their own instrument to play, so to speak. And there is an obligation that if someone does seek to convert, maybe this is lore, maybe I have this wrong, if someone does seek to convert to Judaism, it's, uh, it's the job of, of the rabbi to make it not so easy, yes? Uh, yes, yes, in Within many the... ways, yes. And that's really to test mm-hmm. your... Uh, your, your your devotion to it, your commitment to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And once uh, you've overcome those hardships of the beginning, then we can work with potential converts. And, Ma- and maybe even to, to tell them to go back to their own faith for a little bit and make sure that that's something they want to leave. That's right. Because, again, if they were born to play the piano, yeah. maybe they should be playing the piano. Yeah. Now we have to see if they were really born to play the piano or not. Yeah. Sometimes, yes, after these hard tests, then we realize, oh, okay, no, it was the trumpet yeah. that you were, <laughs> you were born to play. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And you are a piano player. Yes. And I am a trumpet player. Oh, sometimes. well, there you go. So uh, there you go. proof right here. David, what do you play? Do you have an instrument? You sing. Vocals. You dance. Huh? Vocals. <laughs> Vocals. Great. Right. Rabbi Alush, your podcast this week and the portion of the week from the Torah blend together in a really interesting set of ways. The title is Life's Most Important to Do. Um, what are we talking about? What What is life's most important to do? What are you getting at in your podcast this week? So that's it's, it's a great question. Life's most important to do is to live the now. Every single moment has to be actualized fully because we live, unfortunately, in a society in which we are either shackled by the past 
or fearful of the future, that the present is as fleeting as it gets. And we are not able to connect to it, connect to its blessings, connect to its callings. And in a way, this was learned from the journey of the Jewish people in the desert. As the Israelites were journeying for 40 years, they were being led by clouds. Mm-hmm. And uh, the big question, of course, is why clouds? Mm-hmm. Why not lead them by a bird or anything else? And the answer that many of the commentaries give is because clouds impede the sight of man. Mm-hmm. And in a way, God was teaching us that in order to be free, in order to truly live a life that is meaningful and purposeful, um, you have to be able to focus on the now. Put a cloud. Don't allow the future to to guide you or to fill you with fear, but uh, focus on the now. Live the now, and then the future will also be much more um, ready for you. I want to come back to clouds in a moment um, because I was taken in your podcast how you began it with the notion of life's journey and the perspective a human or an individual has on it. A younger person thinks all life is in the future, um, whether they're a high school student, a college student, or a young adult, and perhaps an aged person looking back thinks all of his life or her life has been spent, has been done. And you, um, you, you, you really do a very nice job of explaining that every moment has to be viewed in the present and in the now. The most important to do is to recognize the now. You, you often talk about what people say at a birth or what they say at a, at a, at a funeral and the kinds of things that are said about people at a funeral. And I was thinking, it's not an original thought, I've heard it from many different sources, that when you look at a gravestone, you have the birth year and you have the death year, but the most important thing is that dash in between, mm-hmm. what you did in between there, yes? Right, absolutely, very, very well said. Live the dash, they say. Yeah, it's that dash, and it's the way you lived every dot in that dash fully, because that dash is a collection of all of those dots, all of those days together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you are right. Unfortunately, we live very often either in the past or in the future. And and even without consciously paying attention, we tell our children, well, we want you to do good in school so that you can go to a good college. So if, if that is the reason, then they are not living the school itself. It's always pr- a preparation for the future. And then, and then they go to a good college and say, well, you need to do well in college to get a good first job. And you need to get, do well in your first job to get a nice promotion. So the big question is, so then, when are we living in the now? Yeah. Is, the, is the now only a preparation for the future? And if it is, it's quite a shame because it won't allow us to truly reveal all of its blessings and all of its callings. You quote Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson at the end, known as the Lubavitcher Rebbe, saying, don't, don't wait f- 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 to find life's meaning because it's possible that there won't be enough life left when you finally recognize what it was meant to be. Exactly. That's right. There won't be enough life left to live it meaningfully. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, maybe to put it in a, in a different way, but it's quite interesting that um, when when going back to the Jewish people in the desert, that when they did journey, they uh, the cloud very often stopped. 
And uh, that was a sign that they should encamp in that place. But God never told them how long to stay in that place for. For 40 years, they were journeying and stopping without the knowledge of what will happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And again, that was to teach us that we too need to sometimes just stop and live the moment right now without even knowing what will happen tomorrow, without even that, uh, the, the thought of tomorrow filling our minds. There's two derivatives from that, it seems to me. Um, one of them, obviously, is live in the now. Um, but one of them is also about – well, maybe there's three. It's the live in the now. One of them is, I think, probably a big part of the weekly portion uh, this week. Um, and it's about being conscientious in obeying the commandments, that they're all important. It's not a sometimes – Yes, and sometimes no. They're always important. You will be rewarded for that. I, and then the third I, is about decisions we we make that 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 on a daily basis with issues that that may confront us. I do an annual commencement speech, and one of the things I say in it is that you reminded me of in your podcast was uh, I tell the graduating students. I said you n- treat every decision seriously because you never really will know how big and important it is, even if it may seem small to you at the moment. You know, Mm -hmm. you might think it's a small turn. It may end up, in retrospect, being a big turn. Take every decision seriously. Small things can mean big things. That's right. Uh, Very well said. Uh, And uh, I I would even go further and say sometimes we think that decisions are small, but really in the uh, perspective of time, they are very, very, very big. Um, If we treat them as small... We won't actualize them fully, and then we'll realize, gosh, we missed a huge opportunity in our lives. Every, you know, I'm going back to the Ethics of Our Fathers, which is one of the great books about Jewish ethics, and there it says that every single good deed, as small as it may seem, seem it should be treated as the biggest good deed mm-hmm. in the world, even a little smile. Mm-hmm. And it really reminds us to show up to life with all that we have, because we never know what is truly small and what is truly big. I once heard a rabbi say that uh, when an Orthodox uh, boy turns down a hot dog at Yankee Stadium, it may seem like a small thing, but it's about the biggest thing he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me take a quick commercial break. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit about a little bit more about clouds with you and the portion of the week. Can you say it for him? Bahalo. How do you say it? <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll, Thank leave you. That. I'll leave that up to your uh, to your musical instrument. <laughs> Rabbi Illusion, I'll be right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. First time he's ever been introduced with music by Joni Mitchell, uh, but it's his fault. He, is, of course, is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. You talk about clouds. You mentioned them a little bit in our first segment in relationship to the Torah portion of the week. Uh, she says she, uh, the, the, it's clouds illusions, she recalls. It's interesting, the view, the the, the, the comparison of eyesight clouds and that's kind of what you were talking about uh do they block the sun uh she's looking at them from both sides and what clouds mean to us sometimes they can be the sign of a storm coming um sometimes they can be misinterpreted sometimes we see things in clouds uh that our imaginations might run riot with Uh, so 
tell me a little bit more. Talk a little bit more when you were talking about clouds in your podcast and in the portion of the week. The message that the Jewish people were supposed to receive then and how you would adopt it to today. When we see clouds, we should think of something. I want everyone who hears you today to never look at a cloud the same way again after hearing it. <laughs> I'll leave I'll leave that up to Johnny Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> 1968, it's lasted a little while. Okay. That's it. But you're right. So clouds have, have many different dimensions. First of all, as we mentioned, as you said in the first segment, clouds uh, at, at, uh, you know, at the very first sight of cloud, we can see that they impede the sight of man. They block us from seeing that which is beyond. And in a way, this is also why God used clouds to guide the Israelites in a 40-year journey um, in, in that Sinai desert so that they would again focus on the now and not see beyond that which they had at that moment right there and then. But there is a different dimension to clouds. And as you so beautifully mentioned, clouds can be a source of blessing. Clouds carry rain. Clouds not only carry rain, but also clouds in a way are the, the source of the world's blessings with that rain. In a way, God was saying to the Jewish people that if you are focusing on the now, you too will be blessed. Thus the cloud to remind you that if indeed you focus not on that which is beyond because you can't see that which is beyond, but on the now, then you'll feel rain. You'll have those blessings and you'll be able to live a blessed life. A third and final dimension to the clouds, and this is maybe why also God used the cloud as their GPS, so to speak, in the desert. But it's interesting to note that clouds can very well um, block our sight, not just towards what is in front of us, but towards the heavens. Yeah. And God was saying to us that, as we say in Deuteronomy, that life is not in the heavens. Loba shamaim hi in Hebrew. If you really want to achieve a life that is meaningful and purposeful, don't just throw everything on God. Mm-hmm. Focus on yourself mm-hmm. and on your duties. Mm-hmm. You have a role to play. It's not just about saying, to God, you take it over. I'm a passive participant of life. No, we have to be active. We have to do everything in our power to do our very best to live that moment. And then God will do the rest. It's like my son told me the other day, you do what you can do, and God will do what you can't do. <laughs> I'll meet you there. There's some of that going on between Moses and God uh, in, in this week's portion, too. And I'll, 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 I'll hold that off because having talked about clouds and rain, I want to get to the essence of this week's portion, which is roughly numbers 8 through 12. And you may want to go out or come in with James Taylor's fire and rain, because the opposite of rain, of course, is fire. You can teach us about Judaism. I'll teach everyone about uh, popular music. You may not. The other side of, of, uh, of, of, of uh, rain is fire. And this is a portion that is about lighting, the candelabra, the menorah, mm-hmm. and um, and and the lighting of it. I guess that phrase that I can't say behalot behalot techa. That's right. Is is an interesting use of that word. It, it because usually the Hebrew word for lighting is lahadlik. Mm-hmm. This is about elevating. Right. Really, this is what that means. It's a little bit different. Right. And God is instructing Moses to tell Aaron not just to light or kindle the menorah, but to 
make it rise. Behalotecha. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what that word means. What does it mean to make it rise? Why not just light the menorah? And um, many of the commentaries explain that that is to teach us a lesson. In life, we too have to ignite souls. Mm-hmm. We too have to bring light wherever we are. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough to just do that sporadically and uh, for just a few seconds. We have to ensure that the light that we bring continues to shine on and on even after we've left. This is what Aaron had to do. Let it rise. Don't just ignite it, but make sure that it rises and rises and rises long after you are gone. This, I think, teaches us, again, this art of consistency because very, very many people, you know, jump on these occasions of life and and they become stars but for one day Mm -hmm. or for five minutes. The goal really is to be a star each and every day so that our light and the light that, the lights that we light are raised to the point that they shine on and on and on even again once we're gone and that that that's related to the title of your podcast as well the important to do the, the life life's most important to do is is the value of every moment the value of everything you do every day don't wait for it to come now the commandment uh, uh, involved here in the lighting of the menorah is is, to, is it Aaron? That's right. Aaron is commanded to do so and a, a very special way with some instruction. And as I understand it, uh, the, in, in, the, in the Bible it says, and Aaron did so, and that's a very rare phrase that he did so. That's uh, according to what I was reading about this, Rabbi, is that it, it, it meant he did it exactly as instructed. He, he took uh, spectacular care or conscientious or conspicuous care in doing it exact. Don't, he didn't half, you know what it. Right. It, that, that's true. And to go deeper into this, he did it not for himself. Yes. Not for his ego. Right. He did it exactly the way God instructed him to do it because he knew that he was doing this for God, mm-hmm. not for himself. If I may, it reminds me of that anecdote of a great rabbi, his name was Naftali of Ropshitz, who would give money to this poor man who would visit him once a year in his office. And one year he gives him the same amount of money. The poor man says, thank you very much. He leaves his office. And then poor man, he is someone running after him and he sees that it's the rabbi running after him. He says, rabbi, what do you want? You already gave me that sum of money. Rabbi, the rabbi Naftali said, no, I want to give you another bag, another, another big check. Mm-hmm. And the poor man says, but you already gave me one. And Rabbi Naftali said, no, you, you don't understand. The first time I gave you that charity was because I saw your torn clothes. And I had pity on you. So I gave it to you to soothe my own feelings. Uh-huh. Now I'm giving you another bag of money just because God instructed me to do so. Oh, interesting. And this is what Aaron was doing. He uh-huh. was doing things not just for him or to soothe his own feelings, but really because God had instructed him to do so. Oh, Being wonderful. The, that perfect channel, that perfect wonderful. divine channel. That's, I like that. And that will relate to what I want to talk about when we come back, which is lessons of leadership and humility that we get from Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Mm. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast. He is the head rabbi, chief rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, 
on Shea Boulevard, all welcome, Jewish, not Jewish, uh, observant, non-observant. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other people uh, described uh, in this week's portion as well, Rabbi. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Aaron. Uh, Moses, uh, we have spoken before about the importance of humility. This is actually or literally the portion of the week where we are taught that Moses is the most humble person, um, and yet he is a leader. And uh, the lessons of humility and leadership, I wonder if you might address that a little bit. We are supposed to take a lesson here on the humility of leadership. Right. Yes, uh, it does describe Moses, you're right, in this week's portion as being the most humble man on the face of the planet now, what is humility? So one of my uh, favorite definitions of humility comes from Winston Churchill, who says that being humble is not thinking less of yourself, mm-hmm. but it's thinking of yourself a little less, yeah. putting yourself second, not uh, first or not putting yourself down either. Uh, that's one definition of humility. Another definition of humility comes from the great Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory that we've mentioned here, uh, Rabbi Schneerson, who said that being humble is not being not ignoring the talents and the skills that you have. You know very well who you are, and you know very well that you are talented and skilled in certain ways. But you also know that if those talents and skills were given to someone else, that someone else would do a much better job with those talents and skills mm-hmm. than you are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And that's humility. Now, this really points to this idea that we are indeed given talents and skills. They are not ours. They are given to us by God. And in a way, we have to do our very best to use them, to realize them for God's sake, not for my sake. God gave them to me for me to bring them out, to, to share them with the world. That's humility. One of the greatest broadcasters of all time used to say, with talent on loan from God. <laughs> Very well said. Rabbi Alush, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what the Bible is telling us, because it's something interesting about America, too. Uh, the message here is that the leader is to serve the people, not vice versa. That's a biblical message. It's the message of, uh, I think, you know, the Republican form of government that we enjoy in this country, which I think had a lot of biblical inspirations to it. But that's really what it is about, isn't it? The lead, it that's what's distinct about the religious life, the religious, the religious leadership that we learn about in this week's Porsche, portion. It is the job of the leader to serve the people, not expect the people to serve him. That's correct. The job of the leader to be God's channel for the people. And like you said, not the other way around. Mm. I would say also that that is the difference between power and influence. If we're speaking about leadership, there are leaders of power. And they are leaders of influence, leaders of power, are leaders of ego because they seek power. And the more power they have, the less power the people have. uh, Leaders of influence are leaders of selflessness, Mm -hmm. of divinity, dare I say, Mm -hmm. because all they seek to do is not to take power away from you, quite the opposite, to give you power, to influence you, to empower you. And that comes from this idea that I am not born for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm born to serve the other. And leadership by example, I think, too, we should add, shouldn't we, that it's it, – when someone is given or bestowed upon the, a gift of leadership, 
it's important that they understand that they are being watched at all times. Uh, and they teach probably by what they say as much as, frankly, by what they do. Ar- Aristotle says the best way to teach virtue is to put people of virtue in presence of those children. To teach children virtue, you put people of virtue. It's taught by example. So too in, in, in the message here of of in fact, Moses, who was known as Moses the teacher, right? It was to teach by his example. Mm-hmm. Very, very good, exactly, to model it. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way also to educate our children, to educate students, and to educate all together. Uh, if I may take this, though, in, in a different direction, maybe just so that we can be as practical as possible with this big idea, and that is that if I am here to serve, I am here for the other, I am here not to, to any in any shape or form to boost my ego, then maybe let's change one thing in our society. Very often I hear the words, let's give back. Mm-hmm. But give back implies that I first have to receive. Yeah, yeah. And nice. only then can I give. Right. So it has quite a bit to do with your ego. Yeah. If you haven't received, maybe you shouldn't give. That's, that's what it implies. Yes. Let's take out the word back. Nice. Let's just give. Just give. Because that's what humility, that's what leadership That's what life is all about. And forgive, which is something Moses teaches us in this portion with regard to his sister as well, right? Maybe we come back on that, uh, the issue of not holding a grudge and holding on to a resentment, but forgiveness from the leader as well. Rabbi Pinchas Solution, I will be right back on that. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's been a uh, privilege and honor to have Rabbi Pinchas Alush in studio with me. Rabbi Alush spells his last name A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, and his podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Rabbi Alush podcast, is uh, usually only about three to five minutes, and he packs a lot into it. So much so, in this three to five minute podcast, I, I have to listen to it several times, and then as you see, I take copious notes. Um, Rabbi Leadership, power of example, humility, all uh, all involved in the lessons we learned from Moses in this week's portion in Numbers, um, and forgiveness. Maybe that's an element, too, of true humility. He has an issue with his sister, right? and he, he forgives her when he could have held a grudge. Yes, and that's the ultimate level of humility, because humility means a complete lack of ego, hurt, insult comes from ego. If I have no ego, then I am not hurt. Then I understand that there's a greater picture here and everything is divinely designed for a reason. And instead of seeking revenge or seeking to to hurt back, I rather channel my energy to be able to understand why did God do this? There must be a divine reason. And therefore, I'm willing to let go and focus rather on the bliss blessing within the, within the seeming curse. That is really what Moses demonstrates here. He had no ego. He was all about serving God, serving the other. Thus, even when he had maybe some justification to be angry at his uh, sister or or at his brother. Yeah, even, right. Also Aaron. Right, Aaron. Right, right, right. Then uh, he lets go. He lets go even before any iota of grudge comes into his heart because it's about the big picture, what God wants from the picture he designed for me right now. 
And it seems to me that if you hold on to a grudge or nurture or nurse a resentment, you are taking away, again, from the title of your talk, uh, your podcast this week of, you know, living in the now and doing everything you can by appreciating what's right in front of you and not hanging on to something and spending energy, emotional, uh, psychological or whatever on harms from the past. Right, man. That, exactly. The waste why. of time, literally. Absolutely. And it pulls you back. That's why they say that hatred hurts the ha- hater the most. Mm-hmm. But if I may, again, another quick anecdote yeah. about these two monks that were walking in the Tibetan mountains. And all of a sudden, they bump into the seven-year-old girl who's trying to cross a river. Now, monks have two rules. One, they cannot speak. Two, they cannot come into physical contact with people. So one of the monks wants to help this little girl cross the river and carry her, but he can't. Eventually, he says, well, helping this girl is more important to me than, than not coming into physical contact with her. So he carries her, crosses the river, puts her on the other side, and then comes back. His friend sees this, and he's very upset. My friend just broke the rule. I'm not coming to physical contact. But again, he can't speak. So he's carrying this thought for a day, for two days. After three days, he tells his friend, I'm going to break the law. I'm going to speak because I saw you breaking that rule of not coming to physical contact by helping this girl. How dare you? And his friend so wisely responded, well, you're just as guilty as me because I carry that girl, yes, but I dropped her off on the other side of the river. You, on the other hand, are still carrying her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And what he was trying to say is that you are carrying that thought, Mm -hmm. and for three days you haven't been able to live, to fully focus on the three days that just transpired because you are being shackled by a a story of the past. It seems that the ego, which is tied up with nurturing resentments, that something you feel is a harm to you, comes from um, comes from a, a sense of narcissism and the difference between really real real faith and perhaps if I might just say pseudo faith or fake faith in the 70s Tom Wolfe wrote the created the phrase wrote this famous essay the me decade mm-hmm. and it was really about all these cults primarily in California but throughout the rest of the country sporadically is uh, yes uh, sporadically as well but all the cults were about making you you feel better everything was about you it was about nurturing your immediate desires and making you feel better not the community not a relationship to a higher thing that's really what it, the me decade was about and 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 it seems to me that has something to do too with understanding our purpose in life it's not about the me it's right. about something much bigger Yes, and I would say, unfortunately, the me decade became the me half se- half a century. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you're right. I mean, I jokingly say that someone we, said well, the magazine trajectory was we had people, and then we got the magazine called us, and then we got a magazine called we, and then we got a magazine called me, which all of it. which exist. Yes, that's it. Yes. And in the same vein, yeah, even the way we call products. Uh, focuses on the me or the I. So we have iPhones and iPads. Yes, yes. And finally we have, my my kids play this game, We, okay. right? That uh, video game. Yes. But they spell We, W-E-I-I, yeah. with two I's. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the, the, I think only one company got it right so far. <laughs> and that YouTube, you, at least it focuses. <laughs> at least they do that. that. <laughs> at least they got that right. <laughs> on the you. But you're right. The more we focus on the me, 
the less we can truly serve our God-given purpose in life because there is no God. It's mm-hmm. all about me and my ego. Which the more focused you are on yourself, I'm going to guess, the more bruises you're going to notice to your ego and the more resentments you are going to have and the more frozen you are going to become in your life's pursuits which you were designed to pursue, not focus on those other things. Very well said. Right, right, right. right. And the more narrow your life will be because it's all about me. And I don't care how big that me is. Oh, you make your world smaller, don't you? It's still very, very small compared to the world that you have to serve. Well, Rabbi Pinchas Salush, thank you very much for being with us this week. We covered a lot of territory, and yet I still have notes. I'm stacking notes, but at some point we're just going to have to do a makeup session for the things we didn't get to. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> 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 Rabbi Pinchas Salush, the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, heard on Apple Podcasts. Again, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. And the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H on Shea Boulevard in Scottsdale. Uh, Have a great and blessed Sabbath, Rabbi. Thank Thank you you so much, much. Seth. You too, and to your listeners too. Thank you so much. I'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. Uh, Thinking about the economy, um, why refi points out with all the bank failures and stock market volatility and the possible recession and the extant inflation that they have an investment available for you in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this collateralized and secure portfolio that is offered by Y-Refi. They're based here locally, and they encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there, and uh, you won't get a sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign anything. No one's going to ask ask you to do a thing. They just like talking about what it is that they do and leave the selling up to me. When you meet with the team there, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you will as well. A due diligence approved firm, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return with Y-Refi. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. One of the things I didn't get to uh, talk to Rabbi Alush about that I wanted to, and perhaps we can do it next week or in a future visit, no doubt the occasion will present itself again, is you know taking note of everything that's going on politically, particularly the news of the last 24 hours or so from Washington and uh, Miami, uh, how to handle, and his best advice, how to handle such highly charged times. Uh, What's the best advice when things seem to be going really poorly, when things in the news uh, get your your anger high and, um, and, 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 Things seem to be spinning even indeed out of control. I go back to the poem If Often (laughs) by Rudyard Kipling. You know that poem, David? If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, you will be a man. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, 
You will be a man, my son. It's a poem probably worth printing out and putting on our refrigerators or our mirrors or wherever you put that kind of thing. Folks, thanks for spending some of your week with us today. David, for all, thank you. Uh, God bless you all. Until Monday, I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.